Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to the Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. Well, I wrote today at johnkanzano.com about uh, a variety of different things. It was a potpourri. It was a it was a cornucopia. It was uh it was just a uh it was a shotgun blast of reporting and information. I basically emptied my notebook on things ranging from Damian Martinez's new car, which he posted on social media, to uh the Oregon Hawaii game, which is off on August 24th. It's not happening, but it remains on the schedule if you go to goducks.com and I uh, I get into why that is. Game's off. You know, no. If you have a ticket and you're going to fly to Hawaii, you can go to Hawaii, but you're not going to go see a football game involving the Oregon Ducks in uh, August of this summer. Uh, and I also wrote a little bit about Jabbar Muhammad. And for people who don't know, he's a University of Washington defensive back who started his career out of high school at Oklahoma State, played three seasons there, transferred to Washington, was very good this last season, big part of their defense and their run to the national championship game. He decided after Kalen DeBoer got in the transfer portal and took a job at Alabama, well, uh, Jabbar Muhammad decided, you know, uh, he had a choice. Uh, Does he stay at Washington and play for Jed Fish, brand new coach, or if he's going to play for a new coach, does he go somewhere else? He has decided to go to the University of Oregon. He announced it on social media last Saturday. I was on press row at Matthew Knight Arena when he tweeted it. There was kind of a little bit of a stir on – Press Row, and our next guest uh, had all the details because he talked with Jabbar Muhammad. Max Torres, you can uh, read him and find his work at Ducks Digest, covers the Oregon Ducks, and he's joining us now. How you doing, Max? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me. Man, I love how crisp you sound, how close you sound. That's awesome. Um, give me an idea. Like When you saw Jabbar Muhammad to Oregon, what was your reaction to it? Yeah, I knew it was definitely a big move, a big pickup for the Ducks. It was largely a move that I was expecting. I think I had a pretty good pulse on that recruitment. Uh, Pretty much from the moment he hit the portal, I knew that that was going to be an Oregon versus Texas battle, even though he did take that visit out to Tuscaloosa to see Kalen DeBoer in the Tide. But I knew it was a huge pickup for the Ducks. It was one that I think they needed just as they make their move to the Big Ten. And with this expanded playoff, you're going to have to have top DBs if you want to ultimately go and get that first national championship and and Debar, Jabbar Muhammad excuse me it, it was certainly the best available now there you know the the departure of a coach uh you know always causes angst in a fan base the washington fans were not happy with Jabbar Muhammad going from washington to oregon there was a lot of uh, blowback on social media i don't i don't really get it but that's more of your world like you know i, I don't want to single out washington fans cuz alabama fans were tweeting at him as well they were mad he didn't pick alabama texas fans were mad he didn't pick texas this happens whenever players are up in the air but give me an idea when you see that stuff max like what do you make of that and what do you make of the grown-ups who are going after the kids it's pretty ridiculous john i do see it a lot especially not even with just transfer portal guys i'll see it with high school recruits guys that are even younger than these transfer portal guys and, and it's it's pretty sad to see honestly because um you know this was actually part that i didn't include in the interview but when i talked to jabbar about it he was saying you know 
if, if these guys were in my position, more or less, I'm paraphrasing here, but this is what he was getting at is if these guys were in my position and, you know, they had a chance to, you know, if they had a job or something that was a better, better opportunity, better fit for them, that they, they would be, you know, doing the same thing. So he was super, super mature um, about the answer, just saying that, you know, I have a great family and a great support system that, that I'm leaning on through all of this process. So he, he said that he's not really paying it any mind, but it's, it's pretty insane that you see these uh, keyboard warriors or whatever you want to call them on Twitter, just saying pretty, pretty tasteless things to, to these student athletes. So, um, you know, Jabbar handled it the right way. And um, you, you, all you can really hope for is that that doesn't happen anymore, but you know, it's, it's something that we still see. You talked to him, you had the interview with him, you got a sense of kind of where his head was and why he made the decision he made. Uh, you know, let's start with that. Like, you know, he's probably, what is he looking for? When Kalen DeBoer leaves, what is Jabbar Muhammad looking for? I think he was looking for that that place that was going to be able to do a couple of different things for him. I think the first one was be playing for a contender. That was something that came up repeatedly in, in my discussions with him as he was in the portal and, and taking some of these trips, going to a place that was going to be able to contend for uh, a national title. And I think Oregon certainly checks that box with, with the roster that Dan Lanning and the rest of that coaching staff is, is building out in Eugene. And then um, you also look uh, at the fact that he was looking for a place that was going to kind of help promote him and, and market him and, and put him out there to help him realize that lifelong dream of, of going to the NFL. And, and if he can come to Eugene and pick up right where he left off with the Huskies playing lockdown defense, I, I think he'll be in a very good position to do just that. His family, he also made a, you know, in, in the piece you wrote, he made mention of Dan Lanning connecting with his family. How important is that stuff with, with recruits because I got to think they're being sold all the time and I, I I don't know I'd just be a little leery of you know they connect with your family like how, what puts one coaching staff in front of another when it comes to that family feel something that I've been kind of tracking lately or just digesting myself is is the the importance of connecting with the family versus just the recruit because you can win over a recruit but if you don't have the family on board then they're obviously not going to be as in support uh, of that decision as just the player is so I think what what really has put Oregon I think over some of these other schools is just the the all out approach that they have it's not just one coach recruiting the player and the family it's multiple coaches uh, Dan Lanning was obviously personally involved with this one. Tosh Lapoy and newly promoted defensive backs coach Chris Hampton, all those guys were involved. Um, they, they go above and beyond as far as just trying to find those little details that could be like, wow, you knew that? Or, you know, maybe it's something I'm doing hypothetical here. Maybe it's like bringing a certain food or just doing those small things to make it feel like a home away from home. And I think that it just shows you that the staff will go to any length to to try to separate themselves and, and take that unique recruiting approach to to ultimately get the job done. So some of that, uh, some of that, I don't know if I'd say Southern hospitality necessarily, but that was part of what he talked about. You know, he said they have some people from the South uh, up there in Eugene. So it kind of felt like the South a little bit. And he's not the first recruit that's told me that, John, interestingly enough. But that's uh, kind of just some of the background there about kind of what the Ducks are doing to put themselves over the top with these families, I think. Ducks Digest is a Sports Illustrated channel. 
featuring Max Torres, our guest now, talking about uh, Jabbar Muhammad in Oregon. And, you, you know, in your piece, you know, he makes this comment about FaceTiming. He says Dan Lanning was always FaceTiming him, and Tosh Lapoy, the defensive coordinator, was FaceTiming him. And I found that interesting because, I'll be honest with you, Max, like I had a, I had a uh, call with Mario Cristobal, who's at Miami now, and I expected him to call me, and he FaceTimed me. It was jarring to me. What is it with these coaches? Why do they want to see people's faces? I'm not too sure. Uh, I, I haven't had the opportunity to be on FaceTime with, with a coach. Um, but I think I think just it's another personal way to, to connect with players and, and with recruits. And I think a big part of it, too, is just taking advantage of the technology that, that we have at our fingertips. I think I can't imagine what doing this job would be like even 20 years ago. Just all the technology, whether it's social media, YouTube, Huddle, Instagram, like it's just you are connected with someone at the drop of a hat. And I think doing something like a FaceTime maybe shows a little bit more effort because you can see exactly how the person's acting. And I think when when you ultimately get out to whatever school it is, obviously Oregon in this instance, I think that that's, uh, you know, you're seeing that Dan Lanning and these coaches are the same as they were when, when they were recruiting, um, you know, a said player like Jabbar Muhammad, he was talking about how they just kept telling him, Hey, we want to get you out of here. We want, we want to get you out here. And he's like, I'm ready to get out there. And then I think really he said that, um, you know, it kind of, kind of felt like home and, and it felt like it was the spot he needed to be at once he got to take that visit. Was there strategy in the way they announced it? You know, it's a big basketball game. Oregon's playing Arizona, you know, landings at the basketball game or, is that just coincidental that Muhammad happens to tweet it at that moment? Uh, I viewed it as a little bit of a coincidence, but I do think that a lot of these announcements are incredibly strategic. If you're looking at the bigger picture here for that weekend, not only was there a big basketball game on, you had Lanning wearing the the grasses, damn green and Eugene mm-hmm. sweatshirt, which was, was newly released. Like that's a big part of it. But the ducks also had their big junior day. One of two junior days that they're having, with top recruits flocking in from all over the country. And I think to, to just have it during that weekend while he was on campus, I think it all plays into just building up this momentum as much as you possibly can. So I don't see it so much uh, overlapping necessarily with the basketball game, but when you have all of that, the, the merchandise, the spring game announcement, it's, the staff is just pulling all the right strings at the right time. And I think Muhammad's announcement is the latest example of that. Yeah, I think they're far more sophisticated than they used to be back in the day when people were faxing in their uh, their commitment. Uh, we're talking to Max Torres, who covers the University of Oregon, uh, recruiting in particular. Um, you know, you used to hear kids say that facilities mattered, playing time matter, relationship with the staff matters. Now we have some different different attractions with NIL and and uh, you know the the move to the Big Ten. And it's, what what do you think mattered? matters to kids in general like and and is it the same can you can you get sort of big picture you know uh consensus on any of that or is it individual and and has to be tailored to every kid i think it is individual in in some cases but having done this for a while i think that there are two big things that really maybe three let's go three that really i think every player I talk to kind of comes around to in one way or another. The first one's relationships. I've heard this a couple of times just talking about, hey, yeah, you know, Oregon has great facilities or every school has amazing facilities, but what really matters are the people. 
the ones behind the scenes, the ones that are going to be coaching you up and, and you're seeing on a day-to-day basis and that are ultimately going to take care of you and, and help you get to that next spot in your career, that next level. So the, the relationships are a huge part. The development factor is huge. I can't tell you how many times, John, I've, I've heard, oh, yeah, Dan Lanning's from Georgia, Tosh LePoy's from Bama, so they know what winning football looks like. That is a recurring theme across so many of these interviews or, you know, Will Stein's offense is, is, uh, you know, getting these thousand yard receivers or putting up these crazy numbers. So the development factor is very real, which is why I think uh, I'm excited to see what the drafts, the ducks can do in the draft, because I think that is another phenomenal recruiting tool. Um, And then the third one I think is the brand or couple that with exposure. I think that, you know, when you think of Eugene, you don't think of a massive major city, but with technology, the Nike brand, the tradition and history of Oregon's program. Like there's just the big 10 conference. There's all these factors that continue to pile up and can really help Oregon. I think play bigger and have a bigger presence than you would expect from a kind of smaller city in Western Oregon. The big 10 Oregon heading there. You you've sort of had a up close look at the recruiting class. How How does Oregon's recruiting class position it? to compete right away in the Big Ten, two years from now in the Big Ten. What's, what trend do you see forming? The trend's shooting through the roof, really, is, is what it's looking like. I think that they are perfectly positioned to contend immediately in the Big Ten because we saw Dan Lanning put that emphasis on recruiting the trenches, particularly along the defensive line. I think that Oregon has kind of proven that they can do a bit more with less uh, along the offensive line, and, and that's by no means a shot to the players that are playing that position, but I think that they were just not where they needed to be necessarily with the caliber of defensive line talent that they were bringing in, but that immediately changed once once Dan Lanning came in. I, I think he signed the best defensive line class from the high school ranks in the 2024 class, and then you bring in a guy like Jamari Caldwell from the transfer portal to get some experience there, and I think that they are positioned to, to be incredibly competitive and very successful for years to come in the Big Ten. All right, Max, I really appreciate you joining us. Great stuff, great insight, great work in getting Jabbar Muhammad in, uh, in, for that interview. If you want to read it, you can. Uh, I link to Max's piece in, uh, in what I wrote today at johnconzano.com, or you can find Max uh, on social media as well. He's an easy find there. Max Torres, uh, you're the best, man. M. Torres Sports. uh, And, Max, I really appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, John. I appreciate it. All right. There he goes. Max Torres coming up. Jed Lowry. We got him top of the hour. But next, it's our big splash. And before we go to break, listen, if you're on social media and you're a fan, you're excited about your team, great. It's wonderful. That's, That's part of the beauty of sports. And if a player leaves, decides to go to the NFL, decides to leave and get in the portal, go to another team, you're entitled to be disappointed. But here's where I draw the line. If Kalen DeBoer leaves Washington and goes to Alabama, chasing $10 million a year in salary, and uh, you know, and Jabbar Muhammad leaves Washington and says, I'm not here for a rebuild, I got one year of eligibility left, and decides to go to Oregon, wish the kid well. Crying out loud, like you borrowed him from Oklahoma State in the first place. You know, when you hire a mercenary, Han Solo can tell you this, they're not in it for the for the revolution. They're in it for the paycheck, okay? And he's got one year of eligibility. 
not going to hang around and help Jed Fish build a foundation. He wants to win. He wants to maximize his opportunity. Uh, wish the kid well. Be a grown-up, for crying out loud. Our big splash next. Don't be fooled by last night's Blazers win. I got some Blazer fans who were saying, hey, they figured something out last night. No, they didn't figure something out. I think they beat a Milwaukee team that has been sputtering a little bit, and I think there was a lot of emotion in the building. I expect the Blazers to go right back to doing what they have been doing, which is working really hard towards getting a uh, a high lottery pick. And uh, I think they'll, at the trade deadline, do some additional things to help in that effort. Um, the over-under on wins this season is 28-and-a-half. It was struck me last night. Gosh, the odds makers are good. Struck me last night, Stephen, that uh, there was that wager that uh, DraftKings posted over-under on uh, Damian Lillard points. It's 25-and-a-half. And uh, the parlay they were offering, or the special they were offering, was the Bucks have to win the game. Lillard ends with 25 points, and the Bucks lose in in losing the final minute. You know, there's a reason why these sports books and Las Vegas is the way it is, right? It's not by giving out free money; it's by uh, winning money. So they, there, you know, <laughs> that's what I've learned as a gambler, as a 36, almost 37 year old man, like. I've learned they're smarter than me, but I just got to pick and choose the spots. Were you were you watching Lillard going shoot, shoot, and when uh, when when Brooke Lopez takes the shot late in the game, like by the way that he shouldn't have been taking, uh, were you going no, give it to Dame? Kind of a little bit because I I may or may not have been on you know a bet like that with Dame, <laughs> but uh, you know what? I'll disagree with you. I thought Brooke Lopez should have shot that shot. Dame Dame's shot was not on last night. Brooke Lopez was hitting threes. I, that was the right play. I, I know Blazers fans wanted to see Dame hit the game-winning shot, which would have been you know such a epic thing to have happen and the drama, but Brooke Lopez made the right play. Let's be I, If I'm Doc Rivers, I am not letting Brooke Lopez take that shot. I want Giannis or Dame taking that shot. And, oh, by the way, why is Dame inbounding the ball to Giannis when the Blazers are fouling? I told you this, John. When they hired Doc Rivers, there's no coach in the NBA that does less with more than Doc Rivers. And I think wild. they are 0-2 with Doc. I I tell you what, I we were talking about this, like who who's a contender in the East? I don't think the Bucks are a real contender in the East. With the way that their roster is, the way that Dame looks, like he doesn't look washed, but he looks a little less explosive than he has in his his whole entire career. Doc Rivers is the coach; can't trust him. I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see what the Bucks do in the playoffs, but I don't expect a lot out of them. I'll be honest. I'll be. I'll tell you this. I yeah, to the point. I it looked like Lillard had lost like a half a step, and he just he just wasn't as explosive. And I'm looking at his forty five million dollar a year salary, and I'm going. Look, it doesn't feel good right now for Blazer fans, but I think in a year, year and a half, I think Blazer fans are going to be really happy that Lillard is not on the payroll at $46, $47, 48000000 million. And this is what I said. I've been kind of wanting the trade for a couple of years. I think the Blazers made, you know, they kind of got lucky that Dame asked to be out because if he's on Portland this year, who knows what the value that they could have gotten for Dame if he looked like this with Portland this year. Like, I think they may have cashed out at the perfect time with Damian Lillard right before he hits the downside of his career. He's still going to be good, still going to have a lot of good games, but I, he's definitely not the Dame that he was, you know, the last three or four years. All right, let's get to our big splash. It's the one thing you need to know. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The big splash. Brought to you by Killer Burger, home of the peanut butter pickle bacon burger and voted best burger five years in a row. Killer Burger, the burgers your mama warned you about. 
A Southwest Airlines flight from Baltimore to Phoenix made news this morning. There was a mid-flight medical emergency. Doctor and nurse uh, attended to a woman who was having trouble breathing. They could not find a pulse. Blood pressure was low. She required oxygen to breathe. It was a genuinely scary moment, according to a passenger on the plane. A man in the aisle seat, though, popped up. It was Ravens tight end Mark Andrews, freshly out of the playoffs, eliminated by Patrick Mahomes. He asks, could it be her blood sugar? I have a diabetic testing kit. Turns out, probably was blood sugar. He instructed the medical professionals on how to use the test kit. Paramedics met the flight. Andrews deplaned quietly. Uh, No fanfare there, but a bunch of strangers spring into action to help save a woman's life, including Ravens tight end Mark Andrews, who was in the playoffs but is no longer in the playoffs. Funny tweet uh, by somebody following it saying, Breaking news, Lamar Jackson saves a woman's life by throwing an interception into triple coverage. The Ravens not in the playoffs, not in the Super Bowl, and Mark Andrews on that plane because of it. There you go. That's our big splash. I love that. That's a sliding doors moment. That's a, uh, you know, a butterfly effect moment. Lamar Jackson very indirectly saves this woman's life by throwing uh, an interception into triple coverage. Then you got Andrews on this plane, the Southwest plane that he wouldn't otherwise have been on, and he ends up helping save this woman's we, life. We and talk about... We talk about the negativity of the internet and Twitter, but this is the good part of it. Like, those type of jokes are just great. Like, that is so creative and is so true. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Yeah, thank you, Lamar, for throwing that interception, even though, you know, it cost me money on when I bet on the Ravens, but we saved a lady's life, which is more important. I love that. I love the butterfly effect, all right, when you talk about that. And uh, this kind of stuff happens, you know, uh, all the time. If you think about it, if you start going down that rabbit hole, you can really get there. But remember, Mark Andrews was the tight end that uh, – that John Harbaugh activated right before the game. He had the injury earlier in the year. They activated him just for that playoff game uh, against the Chiefs. And now, now, so is that woman a Ravens fan or a Chiefs fan uh, as she recovers? I think Ravens, Gotta probably. Got to be a Lamar fan, right? Probably. Um, you know, I think it's interesting, too. We'll talk about the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, and all next week, we'll be locked in on the Super Bowl. It's going to be uh, a lot of what we do as we'll... You know, the championship game of the NFL is uh, coming down the pipeline. But really interesting to kind of hear some of the narratives that are forming out there. People are talking trash about Brock Purdy still. People are uh, talking about how Patrick Mahomes loves, uh, like a lot of athletes, high-level athletes, relishes in trying to prove people wrong, loves the chip on his shoulder. So, you know, speaking of the chip on the Damian Lillard's shoulder last night, you know, and throughout his career, uh, Patrick Mahomes has that thing too. Um, I find it interesting, like, you know, do you, I, even though the Niners are a two-point favorite in this game, I don't see Patrick Mahomes being able to, with a straight face, talk about, you know, hey, nobody believes in us. Because they're, com- they're you know, in a lot of ways, no one's going to be surprised if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. This isn't an upset. This game feels more like a pick to me. But, you know, high-level athletes will do this. Michael Jordan did this. I, I saw Damian Lillard do this. Kobe did this. They will pick a fight that doesn't exist, and they'll manifest it into something that creates a us-against-the-world mentality or at least a paradigm in their own mind. That, and the rest of us are going, you're, you're, it's not an upset. This isn't, you know, nobody's out to get you. You know, and Damian Lillard did it, you know, sort of manifesting a, 
a beef with Paul George before hitting that shot, you know, in his face. Yeah, and, two, and you know, yeah, two years ago, Georgia when they won the national title, they were all saying, "Hey, you guys picked us to be seven and five, and nobody could find any truth that anyone picked them to be seven and five. But it's <laughs> like you know, Kirby Smart got in their yeah. ear. I do think it's fun, John, in this Super Bowl. Both quarterbacks can be like, you know what? No one believes in me. And they're both in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes being, you know, an underdog again. And then Brock Purdy could say, look, nobody even thinks, nobody thinks I'm the reason that we're here. Nobody thinks, you know, I'm the actual reason for the 49ers are good. Everyone, you know, give everyone else credit. Everyone else says I, I suck. Like, it's one of those things where it's very interesting that both quarterbacks, usually, usually NFL is all about quarterbacks. This game in particular, both quarterbacks can claim disrespect in this game. Well, Cam Newton dishing some disrespect for Brock Purdy here in this clip. I've never said that Brock Purdy was trash. What I did say is Brock Purdy is a game manager. That's not hate. That's just what I feel to be facts. But I still reserve the right to say this. To be labeled a game changer, Brock Purdy has to be the best player on the offensive side of the ball. Hmm. And that's not the case. And who's the best player? Christian McCaffrey. Hmm. Man, look, I ain't recanting shit. And if you really want to just be honest, if you add in the defensive talent and you add in the offensive talent, Brock Parity is the 10th best player on this team. Okay, cool. Did he have a great game? Yes. Is he been playing out of his mind? Yes. Is he a quarterback that's hot? Yes. Yes. But he's still the 10th best player on his team. I think 10 might be a, a mild exaggeration. I think he's more like the sixth or seventh best player on the team. I think offensively, I would I would put Trent Williams, McCaffrey, Debo, Kittle. Uh, defensively, there's maybe uh, maybe I'd take the linebackers. Maybe he's about the seventh best player on the on the team. Maybe Bosa in front of. Maybe he's eighth. I don't know. But but here's the here's the point. Like he doesn't need to be. The, the third best player or the first best player in the team. This isn't a team that's built like a Cam Newton Carolina Panthers team that played in a Super Bowl. The Niners have got a lot of talent, and Brock Purdy's job is to get the ball to those guys. He's a distributor in this offense, and I've been impressed with his poise. Um, and, you know, we've seen him play a couple of bad games this year. He can't have a bad game. If he has a bad game, the Niners are going to lose. If he has a good game, uh, they're right in there with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They can play, and I think it'll be a great Super Bowl because of it. Jed Lowry coming up. He is a native son in the state of Oregon. Major League Baseball player. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.